Welcome to the putback on SNY's digital platforms. I'm Ian Begley, SNY NBA insider, and we're here to break things down with the Knicks, the rest of the league, the trade deadline. I got two great guests with me. I've got senior NBA writer for Hoops Hype, Mike Scotto, and I've got your favorite lyricist, favorite lyricist, Sky Zoo. You know his music, and he's a heck of a ghostwriter too so you've probably heard a lot of hits that he's written uh he's with us two big time nick fans so we're excited to break it all down we're gonna get started with the baseline nick's hottest team in the nba right now uh, 14 and 2 in january their best month since 1994 the team that made the finals they are sitting today alone in third place in the eastern conference because they beat utah and philadelphia lost to golden state a lot going well for this club right now, and particularly without OG Ananobi and without Julius Randle. They figured out how to win a couple games here against Charlotte and Utah. Now, Sky, I want to start with you. What are your thoughts on Dante DiVincenzo and what he's done for this group, not only recently, but over the course of the season? Oh, man, it's some of them Villanova guys. They're, they're better than advertised, you know what I mean? They're just as good as advertised, if not better. Um, Ragu, as they call him, has been a monster. He's been going crazy. Last night was evidence of that. And, uh, you know, I remember in the summer seeing that sign, and it was like, yeah, that, that's a great pickup. And it seemed like we had kind of a log jam at the guard spot, but it still made sense. And now all that's kind of worked itself out. And he's, he's making it difficult for it to be where, okay, if we're going to make a trade, I say we because I feel like I'm in the office because I'm such a fan, right? But um, <laughs> if we're going to make a trade for a quote-unquote superstar, where do you put him? You know, OG is at the three, Julius at the four, Mitchell, Hartenstein at the five, of course, Brunson at the one. So your trade would have to be at the two. Well, Ragu is going wild, man. So what are you going to do with that quote-unquote star that you trade for? So it's, he's making their job difficult, but in a good way. Yeah, in a very good way. And Mike, we're going to get into the trade stuff. Be sure to check out Mike Scotto's latest on Hoops Hype. A lot of trade reporting from Michael. But Mike, you talk to a lot of people around the league. Do you think that without Julius Randle, what the Knicks are doing big picture is sustainable? Or do you think it would tail off at some point? I appreciate the kind words, Ian. I think first and foremost, when you look at the Knicks without uh, Julius Randle, they're going to have to do it the way they did last night against Utah by committee, moving the ball. Uh, you know, Jalen Brunson's obviously going to be the focal point, getting downhill and attacking, kicking out off penetration. Um, but I think for the Knicks, they're going to have to adjust to a little bit more of a small ball style. You're going to see a lot more of Josh Hart at the four. You're going to see OG Ananobi when he comes back at the four a bit more. Um, so hopefully – I just think the biggest thing the Knicks got to worry about right now is not running those guys into the ground. You know, last night they almost had four players playing 40 minutes. That is not sustainable. That is what I would say. I do think the Knicks can, you know, keep it together for a few weeks. But if Randall is out, you know, let's just say theoretically he's out over, you know, you get to the point where it's like three weeks, four weeks or more, it's going to get a lot tougher. We'll see if they – they have a week, though, before the trade deadline. We'll see if they can add some depth. Obviously, Taj Gibson, a Tom Thibodeau favorite, was there uh, to provide a little bit of that relief. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, the Knicks are going to need a lot more from Precious and Pachua. And Isaiah Hartenstein, you got to watch him with this Achilles injury. You don't want to burn him out either. So um, I do think the Knicks have enough, but they've got to be cautious at this point and really 
do what they can to not overwork these guys this early if they're going to make a deep playoff run eventually. That's a great point. And, you know, we'll get into the center position later when we talk about trades, but I think there's a lot of moving parts there, which is fascinating. But in terms of Randall, uh, Tom Thibodeau said yesterday that he expects some kind of definitive timetable or announcement on Randall in the next couple of days here. Uh, what we know is when Randall took that x-ray right after he dislocated his shoulder, didn't see any significant damage on an x-ray, but the MRI tells the story. And after the MRI, uh, I think some people were encouraged by what they saw in the MRI. Uh, they came away with the idea that, hey, it's possible that Julius could avoid in-season surgery, could return in the regular season and be ready for the playoffs. They did some subsequent testing on Sunday. And now, according to Tom Thibodeau, they're just gathering more information, uh, trying to find, figure out the best path forward. Uh, as far as I knew, as of yesterday, surgery had not been ruled out, but it seemed more likely than not that Julius Randle would be able to find a way to rehab this and get back on the floor. And that would be obviously huge for this Knicks team, but we should find out something definitive in the next couple of days here. And now we go on the trade market, right? We talk about deals and what could happen, what couldn't happen. What do you think about the idea of the Knicks having to go out and replace a Julius Randle in the short term, Michael? I mean, Ian, they've, they've, a guy that I think is interesting they've looked at is Kelly Olenek of the Utah Jazz. Um, there's a bevy of suitors for him with Utah. When I talk to executives around the league, they say that he could be the guy that's the top trade candidate for Utah. We'll see if the Knicks ultimately get him or not. But ultimately, um, you know, I think big picture for the Knicks, uh, it's, a, it's if anything, it's a stopgap guy, short-term guy, not going to be a, a huge trade in, in that sense, at least at the front court position. So um, it's ironic because we've heard a lot more about guards with them, Alec Burks, uh, DeJounte Murray, and, you know, plenty of others, Jordan Clarkson. So uh, it's, it's ironic. The ever – uh, the Knicks are almost on a swivel at times when it comes to the trade market, and they've yeah. been linked to so many guys. But at this point now, you got to think it shifts to the front court as more of a priority. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Before Skyzo, I ask you uh, about Randall. I want to remind you guys that we are now on podcast form. So wherever you get your podcasts, be sure to download us there. You can you can find the show there. You can obviously find it on all of SNY's digital platforms. But just another avenue for you to get to us. Check us out there. And Sky, looking at this thing in a big picture sense, Knicks, obviously, they want to make a run in the postseason and they, they feel like they're going to be well positioned to do so. Would you go out and, and spend assets to bring in somebody to try to bridge the gap with Julius Randle between now and when he comes back? Or would you ride with this group and see how it goes? Well, this is why the Leons and the World Wide Westers get paid what they do because, man, this is a job right here as far as replacing that 15 points a night from IQ off the bench. You know, that was job one, and I still feel like it's job one because if you're going to make a deep run into the playoffs, you got to have somebody to help Brunson out as far as when he's on the bench and put somebody on the ball when Brunson takes a breather, et cetera, et cetera, so we don't run him in the ground like Mike pointed out. So you got that. You also got the idea of do you want to upgrade that starting two-guard spot like I spoke of earlier, but you got Dante DiVincenzo going crazy, so what do you do with that? 
If you shift him to the bench, what does that do with everything else? Then, now, like you said, you got the Julius factor where you may have to have somebody come in who's a bench guy but can play starter minutes and give you starter production. Not going to give you 25, 10, and 5 like Julius does, but give you starter production and kind of shore that up because I love the OG trade and I'm super happy that he's here. My jersey's in the mail on the way, but we're not looking for OG <laughs> to give us 30 points a night. You know, we're looking for OG to give us a good 15, but get two, three blocks, two, three steals, seven, eight rebounds and give us great defense on, you know, and play both ends of the court. So where do you get those points from? So it is a, a tough job of who can we get that's pretty much on a nice, you know, the deal is kind of cheap. It makes sense in the trade, whether it's throwing Evan in there or Grimes or whatever it may be, a couple picks, what's it worth? And this is why the Leons and those guys get paid what they do because now there's a conundrum, you know, because we're the third seed. This is real momentum, real steam, but we can do something nice and we could knock on wood no jinx god god willing have a cinderella type season or at least be in the middle of it so uh you know this is where you earn that bread this is where you earn that payday of making right chess moves to win this game and speaking of february sky i want to let everybody know that the minor seat the deluxe is coming out in february sky zoo yeah. be sure to keep an eye out for that and Absolutely. you, if you're a Knicks fan, you probably heard his blue and orange everything that he dropped last year in the playoffs. Uh, to me, it should have been played at the Garden, but that's just me. Uh, but keep an we, eye we out. We still for those pushing projects. for that. We still pushing yeah, for that. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, man, not not to deviate, but it is. Uh, man, it, it is a knockout of a record. Um, shout out to Jesse Itzler, the originator of Go New York Go. Uh, this is me reworking that record. And when I did it, produced by my man, Mark Infinite, and, and when I did the record, Jesse reached out in the DMs and was like, man, incredible job. The way you took my record and made it 2023, 2024, he was like, man, the Knicks need to run with that. Like, that needs to be the theme song for the team because the way you updated Go New York Go, you just made it something special. So Chuck D's been all over it. A lot of people have been on it, man, and, and it's dope. So we're pushing for it to be the new theme, man. The goal is for when they come out, and Mike Krzyzewski is ringing those names off, you hear the record in the back. That's the goal, you know? So we, we doing it for the city. It's one team in the city. Let them know what it is. Empire State of Mind aiming over the bridge. Talk to us. Get it in there, guys. Get it in the garden. So <laughs> back to the trade deadline, Mike, because, you know, Randall out, even before he went down, you had Bruce Brown on the Nick radar. You had Alec Burks on the Nick radar. And uh, there were others, too. Uh, you mentioned Jordan Clarkson and Kelly Olenek in your most recent piece on hoop type. Uh, I just wonder, with Randall out, does that make them more likely or more aggressive to, on the Browns and the Burkses and the Clarksons of the world? Or, you know, do you try to be patient, say you're going to get Julius back and maybe we're getting Mitch back and let's just wait it out? I haven't heard anything about them being – more aggressive in the wake of the Julius injury? It's kind of been similar, like keeping an eye on everything. Have you heard anything on them taking a more aggressive stance post-Randall injury? I mean, right before, literally like a day before Randall got hurt, I had heard they would likely stand pat at this point, just given the yes. way that OG Nanobi has affected them. Uh, I think they were, even though we missed two games, since they traded for him, I think they're 14-2 and two with him in the fold. Um, mm-hmm high rate. I don't know if that's going to be sustainable, but it's, it's worked out well for them. As far as uh, what they do with some of those names you mentioned, 
I do think if, if they are going to make a move, maybe they pivot away from a guard and do something short-term for a front-court guy. But I don't sense urgency at this point yet. If that changes, however, I would say that that's an, uh, an, indicament of, an indictment of like what uh, Randall's injury status is really going to be behind the scenes. We know the Knicks took a little bit of time to release that update. If you have good news immediately, it's going out. That's usually the way I read into those things. If you're taking a little bit of time, there's some uncertainty there. You maybe you want more clarification. Doesn't mean gloom and doom, but it also doesn't mean that there's certainty there as for when he comes back. And the other thing, Ian, you know, I think we have to temper expectations a little bit because the second he gets back on the court, you can't expect him to be, you know, 22 and 10 and, you know, five assists right off the bat. We saw in the beginning of the year when he was coming back he's a little rusty he needs some time to adjust and then he became the, the all-star caliber Julius Randle that we've seen with the Knicks so uh, I, I don't think ultimately it moves the needle big picture um, you know for a guy like DeJounte Murray they always thought the price was a little bit too high right, right now if Atlanta comes down in the week leading up to the trade deadline then maybe there could be a conversation there but it, it hasn't seemed like that to this point um, they don't have to move DeJounte at this point because they're not in luxury tax danger yet. It's more about next season. So they touched on hoops hype earlier today. Um, but, you know, could a guy like Kelly Olynyk make sense for them? Maybe. Or another backup big that you can have that's either a pick and pop guy or can play both the four and the five. It's possible, but we'll see what materializes coming up. Still teams right now are holding out for what they really want. But as we get closer and closer to the deadline, those asking prices come down if a team is really motivated to move a player off their roster. Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about standing pat, Mike. I had heard the same thing. We mentioned it last week, just the thinking among some people with the Knicks that, hey, this is going well. Uh, you know, we're winning. This group has found a good rhythm. And would that rhythm be disrupted by adding a player? And also, it's a difficult needle that the Knicks are trying to thread here by including Quentin Grimes and Evan Fournier in a deal because uh, that's that would be their way to get the most value back. If you're trading Quentin Grimes on his own, it's a difficult way to get value back because of his contract uh, on a rookie deal. And you're not going to get anybody that's on a rookie salary that you would want in a trade for Grimes. So you have to add his salary to Evan Fournier. And if you do a deal for Fournier on his own, you're losing a potential salary that you could use in the offseason for a trade. So tricky, tricky balance here with the Knicks. And I think so all those things had factored in to the thinking that, hey, maybe we do stand pat here because uh, things are going well. Rand Randall injury, uh, I think, changes that. I haven't, again, heard if they're more aggressive on guys. But I would think, you know, at this point, everybody kind of knows where – people stand. And I think, you know, you go into the weekend and maybe things start to pick up then or early next week. And Michael, like you said, you see if those prices start to move on a Jordan Clarkson and the Clarkson uh, price I would expect would continue to be high because Utah really likes them. They don't have to trade them. Same thing with DeJounte Murray, Atlanta. I, I can't see them coming down much because they don't have to move. He's under contract for uh, several years now. So you see where things are, you know, as you get to February 8th and, and then you move from there. But the, the standing pat idea is definitely there. And I, and I wonder if it continues depending on how they 
think Julius Randle can rehab this and how quickly he'll be, he'll be back. We know he's going to be out for, you know, three weeks at least because that's what happens when you have a shoulder dislocation. Uh, but it's just a matter of how much more time, how quickly can he get back on the floor? I have to think that enters the calculus somewhat for the Knicks uh, ahead of the trade deadline. Now, we have our friend, Matt Spenley, uh, social media guru for SNY. He's got a fan question for us. We're checking in with him. Matt, what do you got? Fellas, hello. Hope you guys hello. are doing great today. My question comes from 1M on YouTube who's asking any update on OG's injury and how serious it is. Uh, let me also just say I was at the Garden when they played the L to the OG from Succession. What a great drop. At, big shouts to the MSG soundboard. That was fantastic. I loved it. Every time I hear it now, I smile. So, Ian, any update on OG and what we can expect if he can play tomorrow against the Pacers or over the weekend against uh, the Lakers on Saturday? Yeah, I think that they were, they're they taking a, a conservative approach with the elbow. Uh, it kind of it flared up. I think initially he heard it maybe in that Miami game in a more significant way because he did have ice uh, on his elbow on the bench. And then right before tip-off, shortly before tip-off against Charlotte, he was a scratch. And I thought he was probably going to go last night against Utah because I thought maybe the Charlotte scratches LaMelo ball and then it's easier to give OG a day to rest. Um, but I don't get the sense that it's like a significant thing. I don't get the sense that uh, he's going to miss significant time. It's a day-to-day -day thing. And uh, I'd be surprised, frankly, if he misses games into next week. You know, maybe he, maybe he misses Thursday play Saturday, but I would be surprised if it was any longer than that. Uh, so I think you could expect him to be back on the court within the next few games here. And, and if you've been paying attention, you know how valuable he has been to the Knicks. Um, we want to go back to Sky Zoo because oh, I'm sorry, we want to we go back to Spenley. My apologies. Michael Robinson in my ear uh, telling me we got to go back to Matt. All right, Mr. Spenley, what do you got? Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Ian. It's perfect because Sky Zoo, I'm teeing you up for one here. So Jay Gadgets on YouTube asking, is Jalen Brunson the best Knicks point guard since Clyde? I mean, I think at this point, everything he's done, uh, I think it's fairly obvious. But I think I more want to talk about Brunson in the grand scheme of things, what he's been for the Knicks. And I know there's there's a lot of discussion this week. He's the last Nick that's going to wear 11. I think it's quickly becoming, you know, an all-time thing with the Knicks. So, guys are just your, your thoughts on Brunson, how great he's been. Oh, man, he, he's been amazing. He, he's been incredible. We all knew – he could play. You know, we saw him in Dallas with, with Luca. We knew he was a champion coming out of Villanova. We saw him uh, drive the car when Luca went down in Dallas. But man, seeing this, no one saw this. I think maybe him and his dad saw this, and that was it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think mm -hmm. anybody saw this. Um, and, and it's been a sight to behold. It's been amazing. And I love the way that he's answered the call with getting more assists. You know, me growing up, I'm a, a point guard guy. And uh, I need my point guards seven assists a night minimum. And he's answered that call ever since the trade, you know, ever since the, the RJ and quick trade. He's scoring more points, but somehow he's also more assists. He's seven, eight, nine assists, 10 assists, whatever it is a night ever since the trade. And it's been amazing. You know, it just shows with him being able to control the offense, control the pace more and do what he needs to do. Now he can really expand his game the way that we know he's capable of. And as far as what he's done for the Knicks, I mean, you got to have that conversation. You got to start having that conversation of one of the greatest Knicks ever. A lot of people may say it's a small sample size. He's only in year two. 
I think he we're looking at a, a Nick for life. And the beauty of him being a Nick for life and being the one that kind of revives us for this generation, you think about everything that New York means as a city, you know, where we're from, gritty, hard-nosed, blue-collar, gutter, you know, get it on your own, get it out the mud, as some like to say, and represent and, and have that chip on your shoulders. And who better than somebody who's always been counted out, second-round draft pick, always said was too short, too this, too that, and now he's too good, you know? So <laughs> it really is a representation of the city. It really feels like he is becoming the logo of what New York City is. Forget basketball, but what New York City is as a whole and what we represent from the Thames to whatever else it is, you know, like it, it seems like that type of representation from someone who's gritty, takes that charge every night, gets knocked on the floor, gets up, bounces up, ice grill on his face, you know, it all makes sense. It really makes a lot of sense. And as New Yorkers, we're just excited and happy and proud that we got somebody who's really to be feared every night. Yeah, you know what? He, uh, he's he been all that, Sky Zoo. I think you, you nailed it. And certainly he and his dad and his family, probably one of the few people who saw this coming, probably Leon Rose and William Wesley, though, too, right. saw this as a possibility because give them credit. You know, I've been critical of some of their moves, but this one you can't critique because they saw this. They saw something that no one else, no one other teams saw. Uh, yeah. And they jumped on it, and then here they are with uh, the the face of a franchise potentially, and one of the best contracts in the NBA. Michael Scotto, All Star Reserves, announced tonight. Uh, where are you on Brunson and where he fits there with the East, and also Julius Randle? I think Brunson's making it. I you know I get the question, but if he doesn't, you know. They're going to tear right. down those buildings <laughs> left outside of Madison Square Garden. So I, I'm pretty confident he's making it. Uh, Julius, Michael, one thing on, on Jalen. Uh, do you think he deserved the starter nod? Because he, he got it from everybody except for the fan vote, and that's what knocked him out. Do you think he deserves to start over uh, Lillard? I was surprised Damian Lillard got the nod. I was. That That's a good point you brought up, Ian. Um, yeah, I mean, I figured he would have had that shot. But it wasn't in the cards. But given uh, the way he had played for the Knicks to that point, I thought I thought it was good enough. And then you look at what he's done since; he's only further bolstered that argument. So uh, I think for him, he'll be fine. As far as Julius Randle, who you asked me about, I think he's a little bit uh, more on the bubble. But given where the Knicks are in the East right now, you would tend to think that that would give him an opportunity. And then. If he can't make the all-star team, it's almost, I mean, if he makes the all-star team, but he can't play, it's almost like a cheat code that you can get an extra guy in there and have a replacement that's also deserving. So I would like to think that he's also going to get in, you know, when you're third seed, it's plausible that you have two all-stars at that point. So even if he has to be replaced eventually by an injury replacement for the game, you, you get another guy that's deserving. And, you know, the last thing the league wants are guys that get snubbed. So I think ultimately the Knicks get uh, two All-Stars for this season in the game. You know, All-Star game coming up next month. Before that, trade deadline and the putback will have you covered next week. Trade deadline. We're going to have shows Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday right at the deadline. So, Stay here with us. We will have you covered all angles with the Knicks and what's going on around the league. And 
we, uh, we're always happy to do that. We're going to have some great guests with those shows, but a lot to cover today before we get there, including the Knicks being arguably the best team in the NBA right now over this past month. I know Cleveland's been really good too. Uh, Josh Hart, he, he has been, to me, uh, kind of uh, unheralded in some of the things that he does on the court. He likes he harps on his own shot when he talks to the media. He said, last night, and I hope I could start knocking shots down. Maybe I'll make one before Christ comes back and we all started cracking up. He's a funny guy. Um, but I think shot aside, you know, rebounding, defending, distributing the ball, pushing the pace, really, uh, especially when he's in that starting unit, this all stood out to me. Uh, Sky, you're a diehard. You you live and die with this team night in and night out. What are your yeah. thoughts on Josh Hart and his impact and his fit? I th I think you nailed it. Um, you know, with Hart, as with any player, you know, you every time a shot go up, you want it to drop, right? So I think the good thing about Josh Hart is that he knows who he is and he has no problem pointing out when he may fall short of, of what he wants to do or what he's here to do or whatever it is. Of course, you want to see him score more. You want to see him drop. You want to feel confident whenever he throws one up that it's going to be water. But at the same time, he does so many other things. He's the ultimate glue guy. You know, we're seeing it, like you said, with the rebounds, easily the best rebounding guard in the league, you know, without a doubt. Uh, someone who sees the floor, someone who gets it, someone who puts his body on the line, just like we talked about Jalen, how he'll take a charge, he'll take the foul, take the tough assignment on defense. And you know he's coming to get it. You know, he's literally skying over everybody and grabbing rebounds. And, you know, he does a lot of the intangibles, the glue guy things that may not show up in the stat sheet. Do we want him to drop a good 10, 12 a night? Absolutely. But, you know, he'll have those moments where everything he touches is gold, you know. But even if that's not working for him that night, the good thing is that he knows where he's at. He knows where his shortcomings may be. And he knows how to make up for those things. And someone who's aware of something like that, you can't really ask more of a player because they're only going to be able to improve in so many areas knowing where they are and not putting the blame on anyone but themselves. So he's another signing that we're, we're lucky to have, or trade rather, that um, we're lucky to have. Like I said, Leon and them, they got their work cut out because what do you do with all this good chemistry and everybody lined up, but you got these pieces to get the big fish and the big chip, and then you want to get 15. I, I still feel like we need a bench guy, like Mike said. I still feel like we need a, a bench guard to come off and handle that rock when Brunson sits down, without a doubt. You know, the the Burks and the Brogdons and the Clarksons and whatever it may be, but it's got to be the right guy because this chemistry is A1 right now. Yeah, it's, it's hard to... to mess with that. But uh, Sky, you mentioned uh, Brogdon. Just a quick note there. I've been saying for a couple weeks, I hadn't heard anything serious between the Knicks and Portland on Brogdon. I haven't checked in like today, so maybe it changes. But I, uh, to, as far as earlier this week, I had not heard anything serious there, significant there. So take that uh, for what it is. But Michael Scotto, Quentin Grimes, I think he's going to be uh, you know, the fulcrum of this trade deadline for the Knicks. And, you know, I think it starts with him. You know, we know that uh, Atlanta, Washington, Utah are among the teams that have interest in Grimes. What do you think uh, his market is? Like, how aggressive do you think teams will be on Grimes leading up to the eighth? First off, I just want to say I can echo what you were mentioning about Malcolm Brogdon. I heard similar as well. Um, as far as Quentin Grimes goes, Quentin, his best value, I would say, in a trade is being a young asset in a package. I think you touched on it earlier that him as a standalone player, it's not going to bring back 
uh, a huge return. I, I think it's more for Quentin, like what the Knicks have been doing for, I'd say almost a month now, seeing what you can get for Evan Fournier, his expiring contract, essentially, uh, Quentin Grimes as a young asset that a team could look at as a three and D guy and a player that if he goes to another team could have a resurgence. And then you've got, uh, you know, if they want to give up a draft pick or not a first round pick in that sense, I think that's his best attribute and, uh, value in a trade right now standalone value i don't see teams uh knocking down the door feverishly to try to uh get him at this point but i do think if he's in a package uh he certainly provides value more in that sense and he'll be a guy if for whatever reason he's not moved now at the trade deadline i think he'll certainly be a coveted player looking ahead and uh somewhat similar to the, the emmanuel quickly situation I agree. I agree because, yeah, he'll be extension eligible. If he's not moved at the deadline, I would expect those talks to pick up again around Grimes, uh, around the draft. And, and, yeah, I just – if it doesn't happen now, they're going to keep, keep talking about it uh, at the very least. But, Matt Spenley, we want to talk to you. you got a fan question. What do you have for us? What's up, guys? Another one for you. Kevin Riley on YouTube is asking about Daniel Gafford on the Wizards. I know, Ian, he's someone you had mentioned uh, last week on Honda Sports Night on SNY. So I think at this point, it feels more likely to me that uh, if they're going to get anybody, you know, like Sky mentioned, I totally agree that it's it's a ball handling guard. When you watch some of those bench units, especially without Ananobi, they, they kind of really struggle to create offense. So a center doesn't feel especially likely. But Ian, I know you've mentioned too at this point, they might just be standing pat uh, besides the Grimes conversation that you guys had. So Gafford and just anybody else that you think is worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, I think with Gafford, like you talk about Precious Achua, right? Because that's essentially who he'd be replacing, uh, predict, predicting that Isaiah Hartenstein stays healthy. Um, so Achua, you go back to a couple of weeks ago, I think there were legitimate questions about his fit and whether they needed to look elsewhere. And I think that's why you heard about, you know, their interest in a Daniel Gafford, their interest in a Clint Capella with Atlanta, because they were unsure about Precious Achua. But more recently, he's played very well. He really, it seems like he's gotten to a level where he's comfortable enough knowing what he's doing, where he needs to be, that he can just let his natural talent come through, his strength, his athleticism. You've seen that in particular in this back-to-back. -back, uh, go back to that Utah game, and I thought he really did a good job defending Larry Markinen, and uh, he, he's really, I think, uh, uh, trending in the right direction. So given that, I'd be surprised if the Knicks went ahead and, and gave up big assets for a backup big when you're talking about though what they're trying to do which is package grimes and fournier together in a perfect world maybe that return would include two players which would be the guard that you're looking for and then maybe a big as well but i i can't see them being super aggressive on a player like gafford at this point uh i think we we kind of touched on everybody that that has been on their radar i haven't heard anything any names uh, significantly that we haven't hit on, but you know, things change, uh, very rapidly and there's, there's a few days to go here before you get to the deadline. So we'll see how it goes on the, uh, on the Gafford front, but Michael, for you, you're looking at the backup center market. Uh, you're looking at the, the guys that I mentioned, what do you think like a Washington, what would they want for a player like Gafford? You know, I gotta tell you, and like, I, I've heard some of the early, like, 
you know, exploratory interest. You give a call to Washington, see what they want for Gafford. But I'm looking at his contract long term and I'm saying to myself, why are you going to trade for a guy like him if you're going to have to try to keep Isaiah Hartenstein over the summer and a guy that could command essentially a non-taxpayer mid-level exception? You know, I had Bobby Marks on the Hoopside podcast, and I think Bobby was saying he could get somewhere around $13, $14 million. Well, to me, if you're going for Daniel Gafford, you don't think you're going to be able to keep Isaiah Hartenstein. Otherwise, ride it out, get a cheaper option, or just play Precious and Chua as, as they have been and sign a guy like Taj Gibson. Um, I think, though, more than anything, you know, when the Knicks got a Chua, it was about finding a front court backup piece because they had been looking for that earlier when they were a little bit short on height. Then, you know, Mitchell Robinson went down as well, and that really magnified things. But in terms of like the backup center market, to me, you're almost better off just like waiting for the buyout market, if anything, instead of giving up an asset. Uh, around the league, you know, people don't view centers. Of all the five positions on the court, I feel like unless you have Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, you know, maybe Carl Towns at this point, uh, Bam Adebayo, there's a select few, maybe a handful of guys, Delmonte Sabonis, you know, that really are going to impact the game at that position. Otherwise, you can get a guy on the cheap. At least that's how a lot of executives have, have operated. And so I, I would think at that point, they're just better off going into the buyout market uh, you know, trade market, you know, Clint Capella is a name that's been out there. I'm not saying it for the Knicks, but these are guys that cost a lot of money. I don't think that fits what the Knicks have on their books going in the future. So, you know, I think ultimately, look, we talk about a lot of different scenarios because we have to, and the Knicks have to as well. They have to do their due diligence, but ultimately maybe a minor move on the edge. And if anything, stand pat, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right, right. And that trade deadline, I think that's more than likely the approach. But we know that big move is on the horizon for this team. I think that they they make moves uh, ahead of the eighth with that big move in mind. Uh, quickly on Isaiah Hartenstein, I think that they have made decisions over the past several months with re-signing Hartenstein in mind. I think they want to re-sign re him. They hope to re-sign him. So I think that their decisions have factored that in. But now we're going to go where we go every week on this show. We're going to go stargaze because the Knicks eventually are going to take a big swing. Leon Rose and his front office are going to take a big swing. They were very heavily in on Donovan Mitchell a couple summers ago. They're going to be in on somebody next. Sky Zoo, I know you've thought about this a lot. We've <laughs> texted about this a lot. Yeah. Who is your guy that you want them to take that big swing for? Oh, man, there's a few uh there's there's a small pot but you know donovan mitchell of course you know I, it's sometimes it feels inevitable homegrown kid new york the whole deal wanted to be a nick probably since high school you know something like that um it, it seems like that makes a lot of sense um i'm a big Dejounte murray fan you know at the one or the two or kind of playing point guard 2.0 like the Suns did back in the day with with Penny and Jason Kidd, so, you know, Brunson and, and Murray in that sense. But I think the sleeper, which is going to be the most difficult to get based on his surroundings, but I think it's the apple of Leon's eye based on how close they are, is Devin Booker. I think that's the sleeper that no one is talking about, that Leon is talking about on the low. I think knowing that he's a CAA guy, knowing that he's been with Book forever, you know, when Book was a rookie, 
and Leon was still an agent. He was running around New York with Devin. I, I think Booker is the sleeper that I think Leon is like, yeah, keep saying Embiid, keep saying Cat, keep saying everybody else. I'm over here, you know, and obviously it's going to be really difficult to pull that off. The new Suns owner is all in as he's proven by laughing at the tax, you know, and doing whatever it takes to try to get a chip with KD and Beal and all those guys. They want to give it a run and, and book suffered a lot in Phoenix. So now he's like, yeah, I got a squad with me now. But I think Booker is the guy that is the sleeper that that Leon would really want to pull a, a, a rabbit out of the hat with. That would be a monster. Um, we're going to leave it there. I'm always going to have Carl Anthony Towns on that list when you talk about the Knicks and, and where they might go in terms of stars. But we're leaving it there because there's work to do between now and the 8th, and we're going to be all over the Knicks and the deadline here on the putback. Sky Zoo, we appreciate you joining us. Michael Scotto, yeah. we really appreciate your time, fellas. Thank you so much, and we will see everybody next week, Tuesday, that trade deadline special that kicks off our three shows next week. Peace, peace. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, everybody.